Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Well, hello there, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. My guest today is Seth Buekli. He's a serial entrepreneur and a business founder who has led several multi-million dollar exits. He not only is currently the CEO of Cathedral Consulting, but he's also a TEDx speaker, the host of his own podcast, which is called Business Done Right, a business coach, and the author of the book Ambition Leading with Gratitude, in which he wrote a leadership manifesto to help driven people understand why they struggle to find satisfaction and what they can do about it. And I love that book, and so I'm very excited to have you here, Seth. Welcome. Thanks, Leticia. I'm really uh, glad to be with you today. Yeah, and for all full disclosure to my audience, I was just saying to you before of note that I barely interview anybody from my own industry, the telecom industry, and there's no particular reason about it, but probably when we get together, it's all about technology and work, and there are very few people where in between that technology and work, you actually have an inspirational, meaningful conversation, and I consider you to be one of those people I've had that, and that's why I'm so happy you say yes to being on the show. Well, that's a tremendous compliment when, when I'm able to find people that enjoy telecom, enjoy leadership and enjoy, uh, you know, uh, mentoring. I, I feel the same way as I, I pay close attention to who those people are and I, I try to stay connected. And so it's been a joy to, to get to know you a bit and uh, run in the same parallel universe that uh, we run in with the uh, telecom and, and leadership. Absolutely. And when I saw your webpage, which of course we're going to have all the show notes and all that, I mean, you've had a fascinated journey and you make it a point also in your book, and we'll talk a bit about it, to, you know, just bring all aspects of who you are into play. And so, you know, to, to help us better understand your journey, why don't we go to, you know, your childhood, where are you from? I know you have very interesting upbringing, so I have a heads up there, but tell us a, a little bit about your, your own uh, origin story and what were you excited as a kid? What were your dreams and, and what did you envision for yourself? It's interesting. You know, I, I think what I envisioned early on is I wanted to be a professional motorcycle racer because I loved speed and I love motorcycles and we grew up we had 80 acres of land to to ride on and so and some of the people I looked up to at that age were motorcycle racers and so I thought that I would, would be a motorcycle racer that didn't work out over time I, I kind of stopped racing and then I had other identity you know I was a wrestler and so I thought you know that was my identity and and for a while I loved working on cars and I thought maybe I was going to be a mechanic and you know, as I look back through all of that, it, it definitely shaped my personality or like most kids, I guess I was learning what my personality was. And so I still love speed, right? I still love a good, uh, you know, a good scrap. So maybe that's where the wrestler piece comes in as I like to, you know, to compete. You know, I still like to solve problems. And, and at the end of the day, I'm not a very good mechanic, but I like the idea of diagnosing problems and, and you know, figuring out, you know, so I, I was really good at tearing things apart and, and exploring it. I wasn't so good about fixing it. 
at that stage. But it was interesting how you have these visions for yourself as a kid. And then eventually, uh, I think the piece that I did resolve is that I, I was an entrepreneur. I wanted to be an entrepreneur and, and do entrepreneurial things in the form of owning businesses. And, um, you know, so that's, that's where I ended up launching into. That is very interesting. And I know if you don't mind sharing that you, your upbringing was also in a commune, if I understand correctly. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, if you can share a little bit about that life there, because I, I know that a lot of people are, you know, curious about that and, and, yeah. and you know, but in, in all reality was what a like co complete uh, background you have in terms of you probably can relate to things that maybe many of us cannot. So I'm usually very curious about that. Yeah, it was, uh, it's true. I grew up in a commune in the woods. So, you know, my parents came out of the 60s. And in the 60s, that whole love, peace, harmony, you know, hippie vibe was very active, particularly here on the, on the West Coast. I understand there were other parts around the uh, US in particular where that, that whole movement was happening. And so my parents ended up in a commune for really, I think, 16 or 17 years where I grew up in this commune. And the commune was structured such that everybody shared resources. And so there, there was a lot of, uh, you know, positives there. But ultimately, my experience was there was also a lot of negatives because it, it really became a personality cult. It was kind of religious. I shouldn't say that. It was very religious. But over time, there was this migration from things that were based upon, you know, what I would call scripture or truth. And it became more around certain personalities. And so one of the things that I experienced growing up, it, it, you know, this was this beautiful place where we had lots of freedom to roam. But there was also this overlay of, of really kind of this artificial leadership and hierarchy and control and manipulation. And so I, I ended up seeing a lot of leadership gone poorly is the way I would describe it. And probably made me pretty sensitive to people manipulating others and, and kind of bullying and using, you know, just enough truth to, um, you know, make a point, but really not sharing that truth to try to make you better, maybe sharing that truth to put you in a box so that they can better control you. And so, so I didn't really talk about growing up in a commune very much, probably until the last decade. And it wasn't so much that I was hiding it, it's just kind of I had moved on from it. But I think as I began to understand and think about what motivated me and what what drove me, I, I kind of had to go back to the roots. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what made me ambitious was what I've subsequently learned to call dirty fuel, meaning I was trying to prove something to, to somebody, to myself, to others, that you know, I belong or that I could be successful because there were people in my childhood who told me that, you know, I wasn't part of the upper class and that, you know, I needed them to be successful or, or cast maybe doubts on my family about our ability to be successful. So I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder and, you know, having to go back and, and look at that, I, I like to say that our dysfunction will drive us until we deal with it. Mm. but to deny that there's dysfunction usually means we're just still being driven by it. We just don't, we're just not aware of it or we're not doing anything about it. So, 
Wow, that's that's uh, very powerful, and I love and I love to ask about this because now you know every guest I've had, uh, and now it's about 170. You know, they share that that aspect of dysfunction, and one of my points with my podcast is to inspire those that are experiencing some kind of dysfunction right now, and they think I'm limited because this is happening to me. That yeah. they can really, as you very well put it, like you can drive it and use it as 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 that fuel to get you to the next level. And so, thank you, thank you for that. That's uh, uh, very interesting. And so, you go into with you know this uh, a, a little bit of a different uh, situation of bringing, and then you decide, you know, you test, you are curious about, which is also a common thread to you know yeah. a, a lot of successful people we've had here on the show. And then you decide, I, I want to do, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to go on my own. And I think that also resonates with people that have that in the back of their mind. They either on a big corporate job and they have this idea and they don't know how to live it. Or ha- so I, oh, would you share a little bit of what went on into, I'm going to go on my own, a little bit of your challenges and how that process went? Yeah, I think from an early age, I kind of felt out of place in some way. It was because I, I lived in a commune, but I went to public school. So I, I felt like my upbringing was different, but I was, you know, intermingled with, with public school kids. But in other ways, I felt like I was moving faster than, than the school. I, I looked at the school and it felt to me like, like an experiment gone bad. Mm-hmm. And I really could in my, and I didn't know how to articulate it as a kid, but my sense was, this really wasn't about education, that if it was about education, we could do it much more efficiently and probably in a third of the time. So that it was about something else. And, it, and I felt like it was kind of this social experiment. And so I did not enjoy school. It felt very con- constraining to me. I enjoyed people and I enjoyed sports. And so and I could do fine at school when I chose to do fine at school. But, you know, so there was this process of discovering like I already I already I already wanted to be different. I think part of that was probably ego because I came from this commune where they they pretended they were better than everybody else, if you really want to peel it back. And so I think I picked up a little of that. But there was also this idea that I could be different and that I didn't have to do it the way that everybody else did it. On top of that, and probably the more important component to identifying as an entrepreneur was that I had a dad who was very intentional about creating opportunities for me to to grow and to learn. So growing up, you know, I saw him as an entrepreneur starting businesses. He eventually left the commune and started a business from scratch. You know, he had to go scrape together some money to buy a business that he'd already built. And so I had an upfront view of him having the courage to start new things and take big bets. And I found that very invigorating. And then eventually, you know, I decided that I didn't want to go to college. I was all signed up, ready to go. And I had this, I had a conversion experience where I became a Christian. And I realized that my motivation for school was really around partying. It wasn't around (laughs) education. And I had an opportunity to form a business with my dad. And and I guess it's, it's a day different. I had a chance to join his business. And then eventually I had a chance to buy in and become a partner. And it was in that process that I discovered I really did have the DNA of an entrepreneur. And I liked the process of building businesses and solving new problems and taking new ground. And I had a dad that allowed me 
to work alongside of them as we figured those things out together. And, and I know you've come from a family business. And so you know that, you know, family businesses are, are tremendous assets. There's also some challenges that come from a family business. But I was very privileged to have uh, a, a father that was an intentional mentor who was an entrepreneur and kind of helped be a catalyst to launch me. Uh, that's, uh, well, yeah, now you have it there. Why? One of the reasons why I wanted Seth on the show, because you have so many different layers, as you say, in the in that onion where, you know, not many people can can say, I work with my dad, I built a business together. We sold the business and it was very successful. And of course, I'm going to ask about that. But to have that, you know, just to hear that appreciation that you have even now for your dad is to me, it's very inspiring. And of course, I, as you said, I can relate very well. Um, there, there's something that drives you that is very different from working in any other business. Would you agree? Yeah, family businesses are, uh, are definitely different. Unfortunately, when they're not properly thought through, they can actually cause, I think, exponential pain as well. I've met people who have had, you know, lifelong separations from family over business because they didn't process it properly. Even in my own instance, we had some success, my, my, my dad and I, in selling our business, but we were the only two members of the family that were owners. And so other siblings had to deal with some success that we had. And that was not easy. In fact, there's you know still kind of ramifications from that that mm -hmm. we deal with even today. So it's very complex. I, I totally get it. I to well, it goes back to the risk and reward uh, saying, right? Everybody yeah. at the end of the day is in their own journey. And uh, and so, well, I'm, I'm excited that you went in. And so you went and you sold your business. And this is where it gets really, to me, very interesting and inspiring because you in your book, which again, I will put the link. I highly recommend you. I love the title. Your title of the book, it's ambition. And you think, you know, where he's going to go with this. And then, you know, you read, uh, you know, what comes next is leading with gratitude. And then you say, ah, this is something, at least for me, was like, I definitely want to read about it. And in your journey, you really go into the nitty gritty of how you went up with your success, what it made you feel, and then what it came of that success when it wasn't kind of managed properly, I guess, said in, in so many yeah. words, you call it a, a gratitude adjustment. And it, and that's the subject of your TEDx speak also, the speech that is so good. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, well, you know, we did have some some early success. We, we sold the business to a public company. I ended up on the board of a public company and I was maybe 28 years old. And, you know, so at that point, I'm a, I'm a millionaire, I, you know, had gone you know, remember my story. Grew up in a commune, married my high school sweetheart, skipped college, built a business, sold it. So in some ways, I think I've got the golden touch because everything I've done has worked out. But in other ways, I was really unprepared uh, because at 28 years old, you don't, you only know so much. I mean, there's only so much experience you've had at that point. And I didn't have the experience to be a good investor. I didn't, wasn't prepared for the emotional transition of being wealthy. And, you know, nobody wants to hear you complain about sudden success. But the truth is sudden success reveals cracks in, in, in our own character. It reveals how closely aligned our identity had been with our previous business. You know, below the surface, 
I was going through this, this crisis of who am I? You know, what is life about? Where do I find my motivation? If, if I was supposed to feel satisfied with this achievement, why do I still feel this, this gaping hole? And, and I also had this strange thought that maybe my best days were behind me. Mm. Or that maybe I was just lucky I wasn't that smart. And, you know, and you go, I wrestled with all of these kind of thoughts. And I think some of those are healthy thoughts. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't, I wasn't wrestling with those thoughts out loud. I was kind of wrestling with them, I think, in my own mind. And then I also experienced failures where I thought I was an investor. And so I started investing in a bunch of things right before the market completely tanked in 2001. And so I had a lot of failures. I started other ventures. And you know, in a lot of ways, I was still learning about myself because I was very, very young and I had a lot of hard lessons to learn. So my, my belief at this point is you, you can't escape education. You're going to find education <laughs> no matter how, right? It's going to happen. And, and life and God has a way of, of, of teaching us what we need to learn. And, and as I was going through that, that kind of crisis of having a bunch of failures and just asking how I had messed things up, that's when I got clear. And, and again, I, as a person of faith, I feel like God answers prayers. And, and the, the clarity came that I had not been grateful. I hadn't valued and protected the success and the family and, and the relationships that I had. I was always chasing more. And that was the epiphany around the power of gratitude was gratitude would help me appreciate and value and protect what I had. And gratitude can all, would also give me motivation. You know, my motivation needed to be, because I've been given these things, I'm motivated to, to use them wisely and to use them to help others and to use them in the service of others. And it helped me find motivation. And so it wasn't, I wasn't just driven by, hey, I need to do the next thing, or I need to have $10 million instead of $1 million or a hundred or whatever that you know we're chasing. Began to re rethink about what I really believed. And and gratitude became that central theme of saying, I want to be different. I want to appreciate what I already have. I want to appreciate that I'm in a very fun industry in the wireless sector and that I'm privileged to be able to lead and communicate and mentor others. And I'm privileged to be a dad. And, and I began to think differently in that season of life. And, and I began to talk to entrepreneurs about it. And I could see it in their eyes. They're like, wow, this guy's talking about what's happening in my own mind and on my own heart. And then finally, I just said, all right, I need to, I need to make a book out of this because I, I always wanted to write a book. I wasn't for sure what I would write it on. And this became the theme. So Wow. And, and it's, again, a great book. And you're very, I love how candid you are because, you know, people say, well, let me write this. And you can tell you write from an authentic place. And, and that's kind of my style, too, because if you're not going to say how it is, then, you know, you're reading the same thing. But when yeah. you come from an authentic place, people recognize that, say, ah, I see things like I personally, on my own journey, I sometimes feel that, I'm scared of being extremely financially successful because I'm so happy where I am with my life that I feel is that going to throw me out of balance, you know? And so there's always that thought. And in your case, it was a little bit of different kind of way where that financial success came fast and furious and now you have to deal with it. Yeah. So it's almost like we have a little bit of the reverse path. 
And uh, and so it was very, very useful for me. And uh, one of the things you mentioned on the book that I particularly was one of my things that made me think, because I kind of have it in my in the back of my mind, but I never have been too intentional about the concept of legacy. And you're big on that, on building your own legacy, yeah. you know. And so I think that's an important message I would love for you to share a bit about that. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Some people think that it's somewhat arrogant to think about legacy, like we're trying to make it about ourselves. And, and I can appreciate that, that idea. But I, I say, well, whether we want to or not, everybody listening is going to leave a legacy. Whether we want to pay taxes, whether we want to die, these aren't optional. Right? These are things that are going to happen. Leaving a legacy is something that's going to happen. The question is, what kind of a legacy we will leave and whether we're intentional about it or whether it's, it's random or accidental or whether it's positive. And so the way that I view it today, I was thinking about this this morning is, you know, when it, when it comes to teaching business owners about best practices, one of the things that we help them think about, there was two words we use. We say, as it relates to value, we say you need to focus on making sure that the value of your business is identifiable. That somebody that's going to look at it someday and say, how much is this business worth is going to be able to just look and clearly see what the business is about. Your contracts, your customers, your systems, you know, your, uh, your people, your files, your numbers, your, you know, your financials, everything is just, it's there. They can identify it quickly. And then the next piece we talk to them about is, and you have to convince a buyer of a business that that value is also transferable mm -hmm. because you have systems, you have processes, you, you've thought about how you're going to hand it off to that next owner of the business. And so back to what we said, the values you create in your business have to be identifiable and transferable. And in a lot of ways, the values we have in our own life, I think we can look at it the same way is that we need to know what we stand for. That's the identifiable part. And then the next piece of, and are those values being transferred is the process of actually sharing what we believe and the wisdom that we've collected, usually through painful personal <laughs> experience, right? Or others, or, you know, scripture, or things that we, we say, this is truth, Right we share that truth with the people that matter most in our lives. And I think that those are the values. That's the legacy that is going to matter most. It's this legacy of values, right? It's, it's not just financial, although I think that's a component of it. But if we took the overlay of financial, we would say, all right, what are we sharing with the next generation? Is that, is that our wealth is just to ratchet up our lifestyle? Or our wealth is to protect us so that nothing bad can happen? Or is it know that our wealth is so that we have impact on others? Or our wealth is so we can create experiences that we get to enjoy as a family? It's like how, even the idea of wealth legacy, there's values that can be attached to that that we can share with that next generation. And so um, there's a lot of ways to do that. But I think it starts with being intentional and asking ourselves, you know, what do we want our legacy to be? acknowledging that we stand a better chance of it being a good legacy if we're intentional about it and we you know, think about it and talk about it. Mm, I love it. I think that's your a potential next book, Seth, uh, Legacy and the, 
legacy of values. You know, I think a lot of you put it in such a way that that value has to be identifiable and transferable. For me, helps me, even in the initiatives I'm involved, I'm already thinking about that. Ah, are they identifiable yeah. and transferable? So on my, in my view, I totally agree in terms of even this podcast and I know your podcast, which, you know, we want to touch upon business done right. You know, to me, that's legacy because when I heard yeah. uh, one of your episodes, I think not too long ago about uh, living with one hand open, I love that solo episode on your podcast. I highly recommend it. That's legacy to me because you're giving so much wisdom. You're sharing so much that enriches someone else's life. And I don't know if this happens to you, but I'm sure it does because if it happens to me, it happens to you that you get the occasional text or the occasional email about yeah. saying this episode is exactly what I needed today. And that's yeah. so fulfilling. It is. It is. And I, and I actually need that encouragement. And I know you do too, because when you're in, alone in your studio and you're playing around with technology, you know, we get inspired because we get to talk to each other. But sometimes, you know, you, you wrap it up and you post it and then you're like, you don't think about it anymore. And you forget that these, these episodes, they, get, they go out. And, you know, this is where I, I will pray. I will pray before our episodes often that, that God would use them to get to the right person at the right time. And, you know, I, and I believe that happens. Here's a fun story. I think this happened yesterday or maybe the day before. My 19-year-old son came in to me and he said, man, that episode you just did with that Ryan Ingram, he's a stud, you know. <laughs> and so this is one of my favorite entrepreneurs. He's, I think he's, 31 years old, he owns like 250 houses. When I first met Ryan a couple of years ago, he didn't own any houses. And so mm. to be able to pull that kind of an example and capture that and then have my son listen to it, that's, that's one of the main reasons I wrote the book. One of the main reasons I do the podcasts is this is the transfer, right? This is the process of transferring. We, we're really, really fortunate right now because of technology. I think it's been easier it's now easier than ever to transfer our values through technology. Maybe the downside is that we're so distracted with technology and opportunity and excess and controversy that the problem is we're just not intentional about it. It's like we can do it. It's all here for us, but you know, we got to actually do it. So congratulations for you doing it. I appreciate that you, you are. Likewise, likewise, because as I said, even even episodes that let's say are not my favorite episodes on how they turn out or where the conversation led us, I had people like thanking me for those episodes, which have been a great reminder. Because at some point you say, should I publish, not publish, and then you the content gets to where yeah. it needs to go. Because I, I do believe in that cosmic dance and how we put the information yep. out there, and they're gonna reach the right people. So I also thank you for that and for being part of my industry, because that means that when we see each other and bump each other at the, some, some of those conventions, we get to have fun also talking a little bit about this. So um, Seth, as we get to, you know, the end of the interview, I always love to give an open microphone. I know you have your own podcast, but is there anything exciting that you're working on right now? Anything we haven't touched upon that you'd like to, to share? You know, a couple of things that come to mind as you know, I just turned, actually, that's not true. I'm 51. So I've just crossed that half century mark. Well, thank you. Congrats. I'm headed there next year. So, <laughs> you know, I think about 
disruption and, and disrupting ourselves. And it occurs to me that the thing we have to be careful of is protecting the way it was and thinking that the way it was is the way that it will be and kind of distilling down what are the timeless truths and the wisdoms that are going to remain and what are the techniques and methods that are going to be disrupted and to, to try to delineate those things and to remain pliable and disrupt ourselves or, or be disrupted, right? And to, to, to keep a, a measure of humility. You know, I think one thing that I'm going to make sure I don't do I think I've done a little bit of it is, is you know, kind of bashing this, the, the, the snowflake generation or the millennials. And, you know, some of most of it is just in fun. But there's also a little bit of an arrogance that comes out. And when you look at some of the young leaders that are emerging, you know, the same God that gave us gifts and opportunity to make a difference is giving them gifts and opportunity to make a difference. And then to not have this pride, like we figured it out and, you know, protecting the way it used to be, but to embrace that there are new leaders who can benefit from our experience as mentors, but we can benefit from their innovation and their disruption and their perspective and a little bit of humility there. And um, I had a friend who recently passed who was literally the most connected human being I've ever been around or heard of. I mean, legendary. And at his memorial service, it was amazing to hear people talk about how he made them feel. He made them feel like he was inviting them into an adventure, that he believed in them, that he was inviting them to go deeper and further. And in a lot of ways, nobody really knew what he did. They just knew that he was a connector and how he made them feel. Very inspirational for me. And so the piece that I end up landing on is being a mentor, being intentional about being a mentor, probably back to that identify and transfer process is I think uh, a mentor is somebody who has wisdom that they're willing to share. They'll take the time to get to know that other person, to, to demonstrate love to them, no conflict of interest, just wanting to improve the other person with no mixed agendas. And then the last piece is that they help shape and share that that worldview and that belief about what what really matters in life and then if we can be that mentor for that next generation or the people that come into our our life i think that's where we find joy i think that's where we we have impact you know money matters business success matters all of those things matter i don't think they matter nearly as much as having an impact on that those other people and in many ways we don't get to see that but that memorial was another example of, but it's real and it happens. And, you know, that's, those are the legacies that we want to be leaving. So. Mm, that's, uh, love that you shared that story, because to me, that's what I call living, living with your back to basics mindset. To me, somebody that is able to mm -hmm. achieve that is because he was always very yeah. aligned with what made him thrive. And, uh, and so then you see that outpour of just by being himself, he was able to make those really meaningful connections. And, and so that's, that's kind of what, what I try to strive as well, which is a perfectly way, because my last question on every interview I ask is what makes you tick? What is that back to basics 
thing or practice that you have? And I'm sure you you can share a few, but is there anything in particular that makes you reconnect to who you really are? Yeah, uh, you know, my faith is is really important. You know, from the time I was a kid, even before I understood faith, I just had a general sense that if I wasn't aligned with what I felt like God had revealed and, and was requiring of me, that I wasn't going to be happy. And so for me, back to basics always brings me back to my faith is, is how do I love God? Uh, the, you know, the, the very famous catechism says the, 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 the chief purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And it's really simple, right? But it's, but it's like, how does one go about that? And so for me, it always, it always comes back to my faith. And then, and then the question is, now how do I express that? What does that look like? And it really is that inner work that starts and if I could get that right, then everything else on the outside kind of flows from that. And even if I never name it and describe it and people don't know why I have joy or what, where my motivation comes from, I know that it comes from that place of, as you would say, back to the basics of what do I believe about why I'm here on earth and what I'm supposed to be doing. And if I can get tuned into that and, and admit when I'm not and admit when I'm off track again because of my ego, fear, pride ambition, which is why I wrote the book, you know, mm -hmm. then I stand a chance of, of getting back to those, those basics and, and, and being back to the person I want to be. Well, then it's not surprising to me. You're somebody that's really connected to your source, to, you know, your truest self. And that's why you're an inspiration. And I really, really thank you, Seth, for, for being on Back to Basics, for sharing your wisdom and for everything you do. It's been my privilege, Leticia, and I look forward to sharing the episode as broadly as I can. Thank you. Thank you. And look for the show notes, everybody, so that you can get the book and that also, you know, make sure you watch uh, Seth TEDx talk because it's really powerful. So I leave you with that. And until our uh, next episode of Back to Basics, bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, Rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.